right, welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Pump. I'm your host, Johnny Blaze, and today I am in, I'm at Shady Brook, which is a disc golf course uh, in an undisclosed location. And I am interviewing the, the designer of the course and owner of the course, Steve Brinster. How are you doing, Steve? What's up, bud? How are you? Oh, dude, I'm awesome, man. I'm awesome, man. Uh, I guess well, I'm just going to jump right into it, you know. Dude, you were just up in Massachusetts, Vermont, and Nantucket, right? For a three-week yeah. stretch there. How yeah. was that for you? Um, it's always a busy time of year, you know. It's and pretty, pretty demanding from a work-life balance tournament, you know. It's just back to back to back like that for me running back home trying to pump out a couple days of work and everything it's hectic time of year it's not it's definitely a stretch that is uh you know really puts me to the test uh Mm -hmm. mentally and physically we'll say yeah so you're not you don't stay up there the whole entire like week like all three weeks you're you're coming home after your rounds on sunday or saturday and working and then making the hike back up there yeah yeah so I didn't I went um, no practice rounds for MVP okay um, you know that course you really have to rip on like a bunch of holes and you know still kind of having some nagging injuries back and you know chronic kind of groin and hip stuff so you know didn't feel the need to get up there and go throw you know so much that I'm you know going into the next rounds not fresh so I've made the decision to just drive up morning of for that which was nice I had a later tea time um, but yeah then just driving home work Monday Tuesday Wednesday hop on the road again get up there practiced Thursday for GMC and uh, that was actually a driving factor uh, I played my first Masters event ever okay. um, at GMC and uh, yeah the one less day of competition could get a little get another day of work out of it um, and then able to hop on the road earlier than I would have if I was playing in open uh, it allowed me to get back on Sunday night um, instead of you know, I would have been wrapping up at seven o'clock at night, mm-hmm. um, playing in open, and uh, instead I was home by nine. You know, six-hour drive too. So, um, you know, that that helped fuel that decision, and uh, and then yeah, right back at it again. Three days of work, hop on a plane Thursday, land in Nantucket, and that's just that one's just special. Uh, you know, uh, Todd Rainwater treats us uh, so well, and um, just an experience uh, that. You know, it's really special to us. Uh, Island's amazing. It's a nice getaway. Uh, it's our one weekend a year that we get away from the kids, and it's just my wife and I. And uh, yeah, we, we really made the best of it. It's been uh, pretty exciting three weeks, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I was, I saw, you know, pictures. Leslie was posting a lot of pictures and everything like that. It looked like you guys had a great time, and I feel like it probably it takes you back to you know your youth a little bit and not having the responsibility of kids and <laughs> you can just go and let loose and have some fun you know with a lot of your friends that you don't get to see all the time either you know yeah totally yeah had a, had our good you know core group of friends up there that uh you know it, they probably feel the same way too you know it's just it's a nice getaway good group of people easy going stress-free um you know so as much of as we're there for you know to play disc golf we're there to you know take in the rest of the experience to have a good time relax and uh just uh, enjoy the you know end of summer in a way nice nice uh, how do you do in those all those events uh so mvp i played okay i just really windy the first day swirly and i was throwing a lot of shots that i thought were good and they just didn't 
it, it didn't result the results didn't show um, and that's sometimes that's that's hard and you got to really kind of calibrate yourself and say hey you know you know self-reflect was I was I throwing bad shots was I making bad decisions or was the wind just so swirly that the results weren't there and I you know and that particular event I feel like the first round kind of slipped away from me and I was throwing a bunch of good shots and so I you know try not to be too hard on myself in those situations um, you know I clawed my way back up a little bit in the next two rounds um, you know so I think I finished in uh, upper 30s maybe 40th place something like that um, but you know the field's so deep th these days that you know three four strokes was and into the top 20 mm -hmm. so when you get a couple of those you know just random shots that just don't go your way it's, sometimes it's you know a lot of spots and uh so i didn't feel like i was far off there um and then gmc was uh you know was it was interesting different element you know kind of going into a field uh where i was the highest rated player um struggled the first round and then uh kind of fell into a good groove the next two days on uh you know fox and brewster courses that i know courses that i love um i played played well on both they shot a five and a seven and it's always uh you know it was interesting for the first time to kind of look you know being in the masters like oh where would that have like lined me up and open where would i've been and you know if i was able to kind of replicate those types of rounds it would have been top 10 and so you know it's definitely look looking back at that and you know i guess that's the the master's dilemma you know i'm going to constantly question am i making the right decision mm -hmm. going into playing masters should i have played open when i play open should i have played masters um i'm in that in that battle now but uh i was able to you know put together two good rounds um to close out that tournament i think it won by nine uh battling yeah, I, yeah, against I saw you craig. Ran away with it. craig had like a, a one or two stroke lead on you and after the first round and then you kind of just took off on him and that, that was it was i was fun i was watching the scores as they were going i was like all right steve's back steve's doing it you know which is good yeah yeah i felt that the, the last day last morning sunday you know just hit the putting green and you know putted for 20 minutes and the putter basically didn't hit the ground and i was like all right i might as well stop now because i'm like what, what am i gonna do i'm gonna wait till i start missing putts to feel good i was like let's everything's everything's grooving so just got off to you know pretty solid start there and then i think i put together five or six birdies in a row like early on in the round and that kind of gave me some separation where i could really start to feel comfortable nice Okay. And then uh, Nantucket, you did pretty well up there? Or? Yeah, I, I hung in there. You know, that course is, uh, it's so much fun to play. Mm. And just a, such a fun, you know, like if that was like my home course, uh, you know, that, that would be one of the places I would pick to like be my home course because it's just okay. fun. And you got you to gotta go low, you know. Yeah. You, it's, it's a kind of, you want to be double digits style course for, for me. And um, yeah, I, I played okay and I just, it, never really strung together any good series of holes you know i think i was six under through the front nine and then finished at eight leaders were at 12 four strokes back and then you know second round was much of the same so uh I finished in the top 10 but not exactly where i wanted 
but uh, you know, in these days, you know, I've been playing this for a long time now. The field's so deep. If you, you know, you have a bad nine holes, especially in a two-round tournament, um, you know, there's so many people in the field that it's going to be you're 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 basically out of it. Yeah. You know, well, not, even after like the first round, being down four, you're you're out of it. You know, yeah. 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 I needed you to, to do something to special. Four strokes better than them the next round, and it's yeah. not that's not going to happen out there. No, and, it would be hard. You know, I needed I needed like a 14 or something yeah. like that, which is doable. And there's eagle opportunities out there, so I thought that. You know, I definitely went into it with the mindset that if I did something like that, and yeah, maybe I still need a little help, but um, you know, I wasn't out of it. But it, you know, I quickly uh, missed a couple holes in, in the front, and you know, that was that was that. Yeah, and then uh, do, you, do you participate in the the Raz round too? Um, I wasn't in the Raz round. I okay. play, I did play the Friday Skins. Okay. Um, so the Friday Skins is. Um, little showcase event that they have right before the um before the tourney and they um this year it was five five male pros and five women pros we played a mixed uh doubles uh unique format where uh eight hole loop that we did and um on any of the par threes we play tough shot and any of the par fours we play alternate and the par fives we play best so uh cool fun format and um, with five teams, super demanding, not, not too many skins fly, but $2,000 skins for eight holes. And a uh, ton of fun. I uh, played with Maureen, Macarlene, and we had opportunities, but we, we didn't walk away with any money that day, but it's <laughs> yeah, fun nonetheless. Yeah, you walk away with a bunch of good memories, and, you know, and, it, and it is fun to play those certain types of uh, layouts, you know, I, or formats, I guess, because I, I enjoy match play just as much as I enjoy stroke play a lot of times, especially if, you know, the group of people you're playing with know what they're doing and know how to play like match play golf or skins golf in that situation where it is a different mentality and you have to approach it differently and where doubles will be kind of fun. I think that would be a blast for something like that. You know, I don't think I've ever played match play doubles or skins doubles, I guess that would be kind of, kind of cool. It kind of does turn into an exhibition then where, you know, if somebody parks in it or throws a really good shot, like, you know, playing with Mo, she can, she can smash and throw some good shots where you can kind of let loose and really, and really have some fun on those types of things and and, and show off your your abilities because you have some amazing abilities being able to throw as far as you can which is pretty cool you know um how uh you know i mean you're 40 now you know you play masters how is that how has your game changed as you've gotten older because you started playing when you were real young right yeah i started when i was 14 um so 94 and uh yeah i mean I don't feel like my games changed that much. I have to kind of, it's, I, and at the same time, I guess it has, you know, but I, I don't feel like I've lost a step distance wise. Um, if anything, I'm using my experience, you know, to help me now. If if anything, it's it's more like the longevity. How, how many times, I mean, I used to be able to go play a practice around, throw five shots a hole, rip all day long, and I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of good benefits to that. Um, you know, disc knowledge. So you're throwing five shots and you're getting 90 drives in. You're seeing your discs fly. You see all the tendencies. You're getting more wind reads. So you you're, you know your discs so much better. And now it's more about trying to maintain the body, injuries, make sure you're not overthrowing, um, stuff like that. You know, a lot of chronic injuries over the years that are just hard, hard to get over. Um, so if anything, now it's... I can still do everything I can. I just can't do as much of it. Yeah. So you know, I, I was—that's what I was seeing over the last couple of weeks—is like, 
gosh, why did that thing flip up in, in that you, headwind? You didn't know the disc. And I just didn't well. know my plastic yeah. well enough. So that's been an interesting transition. And then, you know, I got two weeks to prep for uh, U.S. And, you know, I, I have some work to do. I'm not really happy with uh, some of my discs right now. I've got a couple destroyers that just, they're, they're standing up in the headwinds. And I need to find something that I can be really, I can really trust out there. Because the last thing you can do going into an event like that is is not, you know, be completely confident with what you're doing and in the wind and stuff so i definitely need to do some field work and stuff like that but yeah that would be one of the biggest things you know that's different now is is i i'm not you know i'm working more so i'm not getting a lot of those practice rounds in i'm not getting you know when we would do our summer tours i'd be practicing the course all week and uh you know now i'm going into events sometimes blind um, or you know, really trying to limit how much I'm doing out there. So that that's the biggest thing now from what it was for me, you know, ten years ago. Even. Mm -hmm. Is that why, uh, like you said, just for wear and tear was not going up to MVP, but because you know the course so well, you don't really need to practice the shots, right? Like, I I, I see that in a lot of places I go where it's like, oh, I know the course. I just need to warm up kind of and then I'm good to go whereas a newer course you have to learn the holes and everything like that so yeah I mean it's a little both because for me um, you know I, I own and run a business and um, you know I need to keep that that moving yeah. um, responsibilities wife kids I mean I want to be around them they they need me to be around they you know my wife needs help the kids need you know they need guidance in life and in homework and yeah. every other thing um you know i don't like missing their uh, team events and and stuff like that so you know definitely a big part of me that wants to be around for all that as well um but yeah big driving factor too yeah just health you know like i kind of noticed in other events that i'd go and i'd if i go and play you know a practice round or two practice rounds prior to the event. I'm throwing great during the practice round, and then by come Sunday, you know, the back starting to really seize up, and uh, you know, so I'm like, well, I just wasted two good days of throwing, and where my body felt great, and then, you know, I noticed a decline in ratings. Like and it was like pretty consistent, you know, where my first round had come out good, and then it was going down, and you know, and I related a lot of that to injuries, mm -hmm. and uh, so trying to take a different approach to it yeah um so that you know all of those factors there kind of is what you know led me to this path that i'm trying to approach these events yeah nice um you mentioned uh the, the balance or the the decision you have to make between playing masters and playing open in these events what what are the things that you kind of like you kind of pick and choose you pick and choose like if you know you, you have people you like to play with in masters or open you is that part of your decision or is it the, the size of the field or you know just the likelihood to make more money yeah i mean definitely money's got to be some factor in there um you know it, it's also you know the competitiveness but i mean i played one masters event and it didn't feel necessarily right to me and i know that i'm I could be competitive in any event, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going into a major in a couple of weeks thinking that I can't win it because I know I can. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely not. That's not necessarily a factor for me. Um, it you know in this recent decision, it certainly was it was more about timing than anything. Um, but going forward, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I was considering playing Masters at the Memorial a couple of years ago. Or I guess last year, and uh, I didn't end up getting in. I was on the wait list, and I didn't I didn't get in. So I played open there, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I came in, you know, it's 25th or something, mm -hmm. 30th, something like that, and and you know, look, compared the scores, and I, you know, I probably would have won Masters by quite a few if I was able to put up the same scores. So, yeah, would I rather come in first in Masters and 25th in Open? Probably, you yeah. know. So that's definitely going to be a factor moving forward, um, but. I don't know how I'm going to make those decisions, on, yeah. you know, event to event. It's probably just kind of going to be more like gut. Uh, the Memorial felt right, I guess, because I don't really play that much during the winter. It's hard to train properly, mm -hmm. and you're going against, you know, these guys that are been literally on the, those courses for the whole winter and training on them off season they've seen every single win so you know you backs up against the wall for a couple different reasons when it comes to competing against them um so that, that's an easier one for me to say hey you know this this makes sense but yeah i don't know i don't know how what what it's going to look like going yeah. forward well I, I just i can imagine like you you know you you want to be the best. You strive to be the best, and like I just, I always think, I always wonder, like, because I know, like, you're there, like Bobby Copperthwaite, like a mat, like should be playing Masters, plays some Masters event. It's like, is a desire to be the best Open player greater than just possibly being like you could be the best Masters player in the world? Like, is that a desire for yours to, for you to be, you know? Because like, all people often talk about the Kenny Climo World Championships, and they say he's won twelve, but he's won what fifteen? Because right. he's won to three in Masters, and it's like. Is is that like a drive for you to possibly be the greatest Masters player in the in the country or the world? Um, well, that's a tough question because he, he, I was signed up to play both the Salinsky and um, the Masters World Championships, and you know time's tough right now, and you know I kind of had to choose in a way uh, what I wanted to do. Um, I've played every World Championship since 1999. Uh, so I think Stevie Rico has the only longer streak, and then Avery Jenkins and I are at our 22nd consecutive or 23rd consecutive. And I certainly don't want to give that up. Um, and, you know, those are big time commitments. You know, those are weeks, mm -hmm. not they're not weekends those are weeks um especially if you want to prep and you got multiple courses or usually typically on courses that i haven't played uh, versus some of the other events that i'm going you know i've played every year it's easier much easier for me to step into an event like that um yeah i mean it would be great you know yeah. to be a master's world champion for sure um and i probably should take more advantage of that especially yeah. being you know i've been eligible for over two years now and you know i just played my first masters event so mm. um it's gonna probably come down to convenience for me um you know if masters was in vermont or massachusetts like it was the year before i was a masters i'm sure i would have been there yeah you know and that that's just uh you know again it's gonna be a work-life balance uh thing when those decisions mm. you know come up but uh, I am planning uh, on playing Masters Worlds next year, and uh, in fact, that's like on our on our list. It's also coincides with Juniors World Championships, so oh, nice. uh, we want to get Layton to play. Um, okay. So I think the Brinsters will be in Peoria next year. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, it would be great to have that title um, oh, yeah. alongside me for well, sure. Plus, also just you know competing there and your son playing too. You know, I know how excited I got to play with you. Uh, at uh, the Oasis, like it was about a month ago, a little over a month ago, and Leighton was playing over at Warwick, and I remember seeing like 
you kept looking at your phone the whole round and then at one point you just smiled and was like my boy got his first par <laughs> like that's got to be pretty cool to like to be you know playing now with like your next generation you know it's uh that's pretty awesome and, and i've seen him throw here and he just smashes you know like they, we had that there. that corvino Schulten late <laughs> match that was like legendary which was pretty awesome to see you know him just throwing you know and, and having a good time and that's got to make you feel good that you know he at least is playing some sort of sport and being out there because you play you like you you didn't just play disc golf you used to play baseball when you were growing up and you're a pretty good baseball player, I've heard. So I'm sure that like, you know, getting latent into those types of things is something that you, you want, but you can't push, of course, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have to push him. I almost, you know, like, that's the thing. He he would play all day long, you know, if we, if we let him. Uh, he's very self-motivated kid and uh, he's, he loves it. And it's, uh, and I'm glad that he, uh, you know, that's, that's the best thing in the world. Cause that's, you know, if we can, go out and play disc golf together then uh you know what what better father-son time can you have than mm -hmm. that for uh somebody that you know is a disc golf family you know that's that's uh, a dream mm -hmm. um so yeah that that's amazing and um yeah so he's he's playing all sorts of sports and we're, we're kind of doing everything right now and he's we're in soccer right now and baseball he's doing ba does basketball in the winters and um you know disc golf all year round so he's very into it uh so yeah that event that you know a month or so ago was uh you know we needed to play at least one pdj event this year to get an invitation to junior worlds next year so uh you know he was kind of thrown out there on some pretty big layouts yeah. you know for an, a nine-year-old and uh he walked out of it with a smile on his face and um you know it was was super happy and that's a big you know big commitment for a nine-year-old to spend literally all day out there throwing uh you know big layouts and um you know to at the end of the day for him not to be you know walking away like tired or unhappy and just with a big smile on his face i mean that's a that's a huge sign because uh you know, attention of a kid is is a hard thing to harness. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen that with just other friends' kids, where they're into something one week and they're into something else the next week, and it's got to be difficult. You know, especially to put your energy towards it. So that's, I could see that being great. Like, you're doing something you love to do, playing disc golf, and you love to spend time with your son and your kids. And it's like, if you could do that together, that's like, that's a win-win. That's that's pretty awesome. You know. Yeah, a lot of good family trips uh, yeah. in in the future. Oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah. So okay, you said you started started playing around fourteen. Yeah. And then, uh, what? How did how did that come about for you? Um, so, yeah. The funny thing is, um, you know, so I was hanging out with a bunch of buddies, and you know, teenage kids, you know, bored, nothing to do in this town, and uh, we saw frisbee golf on MTV Sports, and. We were like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And then my friend's dad, you know, overheard us and goes, yeah, there's a course right in town. And we were like, no way, you know, like, so, you know, I would say within the next couple days, we, we found our way there. And it wasn't actually far from my house and I never knew it was there. And uh, we found our way there and we had our lids. And, you know, I remember having like a really cheap, like giveaway, like bank Frisbee and- <laughs> One of those, uh, those chintzy fastbacks. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like exactly. Total fastback mold. And I mean, I don't think I could get that thing to fly now, let alone when I didn't know anything <laughs> yeah. about the sport. Um, but uh, it, we showed up and uh, we, you know, other guys were out there playing and uh, quickly ran into two guys that, you know, kind of 
took me under their wing in the long run. But uh, you know, Tom Pressy, Dave Balkama, two good guys that uh, you know were out there playing, and you know they were just so accommodating to us. They ended up like giving us discs like the very first day. So by the end of the first time we're out there, we already had some resemblance of like actual golf discs and mm -hmm. stuff. I think we had an 86 softy, um, a San Marino rock, and uh, a, a hammer. Okay. And uh, you know, so they gave us some some plastic, and we started playing. And uh, you know, it was quickly became something that was fun um and it's certainly you know me ha being as close to the course as i was i could ride my bike there it was something that you know i just kind of found myself going there and i started playing like many rounds in a day you know yeah. like sometimes five six rounds in a day just cruising around the track as much as i could playing by myself um and you know other you know starting to see watching other people matt lacourt was around at that time and there wasn't many courses in jersey there's like three courses in jersey mm. um so if you were a disc golfer and you you pretty much were going to be at one of those places so um you know started seeing you know watching people and all that type of stuff you know buying boxes of discs you know back then from flying eye and um yeah quickly got hooked into into it and uh you know me being you know the competitive player had always been doing team sports you know as big soccer baseball player and uh i don't know was i kind of falling out of love with those team sports at the time um you know just it was like the perfect fit for me it was just something i could go do myself i was completely relying on, my, on myself for everything and uh you know, so being an individual sport, it just, it really fit where I wanted to be mentally at that time in my life. Yeah. Um, that course you went to, that was Buzzies, right? Yeah, Buzzies yeah. Creek, yeah. Nice. Um, how, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on what's going on over there right now with the big storm? And, you know, I mean, of course, everybody's hoping that the course, you know, is back to somewhat of what it was before. But I drove past it on my way in, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a sight, you know. Yeah, it's beat up. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on with that place right now, and it's it's pretty sad. I mean, there's a lot of history there. Um, you know, being one of the earlier courses, nine of those baskets used in the first PDGA event ever, and um, but you know, there's talks of boat ramps, and uh, you know, we're up against some pretty big agencies. You know, the you know they want to put in. You know, if they're going to do this boat ramp there, it's pretty much going to be the end of the course. It's mm -hmm. going to have to put a major parking lot in. It's going to be a big ramp all the way down to the water. So, you know, all the the really nice features of the course, you know, are potentially going to be taken away from us. And it, we're already on, you know, very limited amount of real estate as it is. So, uh, you know, who knows? And th this storm certainly, you know, put a a big hurting on all of that so yeah it's it doesn't look great it's it's sad i wish that there was a different path um for what's going to happen there um but you know things change hopefully there's another opportunity that comes up with that you know we can maybe get on another piece of land i mean there's certainly property around it's not lakefront and beautiful i mean that's that's one thing you know that that you know that little piece of property at the end of the night you know on the water the sun's going down it's just always been a you know a nice place to you know pretty magical place to be you know it definitely is is special so um you know we're not gonna be able to replicate that but uh hopefully there's an opportunity for us somewhere you know yeah. in, in the town well it's also nice that you know even if there isn't another opportunity there's other golf in the area you know like you said it was that was one of the only three courses in the, in the state at the time 
but now there's courses peppered around everywhere which is kind of nice you know through the growth of it all i said uh i just talked to mo and scoured and i told them like you know at least you have the memories of it you know if it doesn't come back and it, or if it finally goes away because of the boat ramp and everything like that he bought a plea out there to kind of stop it at the end you know he was we drank a little bit so he uh <laughs> he, he, he threw that in so you know he you know basically saying like we we this is one of our last green spaces you know let's not ruin it with you know, a boat, a boat ramp and everything like that. So, yeah, but unfortunately, I would echo that, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's certainly, you know, it, there's a reason that they're choosing this area because it is one of the only accessible areas on the lake. But that, that having said that, that's exactly what, you know, why we should not use it because mm -hmm. it, there's, there's not, I mean, there's houses all the way up and down the whole lake and it's like, yeah, it's one of the, it's the only park that I'm aware of on, you know, on, 18 miles of shore mm -hmm. um and it's you know can't, can't be much more than a half mile of frontage and you know now we're gonna you know put it in a you know a boat ramp that's gonna be oil and gas and everything leaking into the lake it just yeah. it doesn't seem like a good fit you know they've made so many efforts to try and conserve land and everything up in this region and this just seems pretty kind of counteractive so hopefully hopefully that's not the case because it's a you know a special place and it's introduced thousands of people to the game you know and mm -hmm. and ent entertains you know thousands of people every year uh on the course and you know there's there's always places to go fishing you know there's lakes everywhere and yeah, you know yeah, you so, guys are, yeah they're yeah, up here it's like you I drive past five just coming you know yeah. just and once I get into the state really you know it's pretty crazy yeah yeah so I mean hopefully I'm hoping for you guys you know we we had the same issue down our way and we don't think it's our course is going to come back unfortunately but hopefully yours does and and keeps pushing and everything like that I love coming up I come up for Thanksgiving dubs for the past two years I've been there which was really fun you got really good scene really good people and everything like that so yeah it'll be a shame to lose that that little bit you know because a lot of times people get lost then. Like, I know I got lost when Naki was gone. I think Brian, Lebowski, like, we were all kind of like, what, right. do we, what do we do now? You know, where do we play? Where do we go? And, you know, where do we congregate to be ourselves, you know? And if you, if you don't have that, sometimes you lose your identity. So hopefully everybody kind of can push past that and keep keep going with it, you know? So Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, not to mention that, you know, the other courses already have so many people on them that it's uh you know somewhat unenjoyable at times you know you can't really even play like a long layout at warwick on a weekend yeah you know everybody's, it's, yeah, everybody's it's, playing silver silver yeah, or silver blue big groups out there and you know there's there's confusion i mean there's no doubt that we we need more courses to accommodate the demand and the explosion of disc golf is is very real uh so yeah losing a course is not definitely not going to help um yeah right. that, that part of it but it's it's good you see other courses popping up i mean oasis is blowing up you know just in the time that i've been coming up to this area i, I remember like the red baskets out in the field by the road and right. going there and going and buying discs off of dan and like climbing over lawnmowers in the shed and <laughs> yeah, just having like little random racks in there and how far that's kind of come you know i was i went over there this morning to possibly play the monthly and you know just seeing people like coming in at this time and you know seeing how much it's grown and you got the hops fields over there and i think that's kind of what a lot of these courses are going to have to do is provide something else so they don't just disappear you know and that's unfortunately the providing something else somewhere is destroying the course over at buzzies so yeah yeah so um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back anything you'd like to say to steve on his hall of fame induction congratulations it's it's cool playing with you all the time and getting to look up to you and play and when i first started out i had no idea who steve brinster was and found out he was from west milford 
Um, so it's cool getting to play with them and congratulations. Just want to say congratulations and thanks for everything you've done in New Jersey. Steve, it couldn't have happened to a better person. It's, oh, it's overdue. You're, you're really the best of us as far as golfers go. Steve, you're very deserving of the Hall of Fame induction for New Jersey, man. Congratulations. I'm proud of you, Steve. Good job. Steve, what a, you know, when you think New Jersey disc golf, there's not, in my growing up of disc golf since I started playing, there's no other prolific name. Steve, Steve Brinster has been the guy since I started. And I mean, he's active, he's accomplished so many things. He set a bar so high, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I know, I think of Steve Brinster, I think of uh, uh, course designer, uh, one of the most winningest players on the Northeast, if not, he is the most winningest. Uh, family man and just all around good person. All right, and we're back. Um, so one of the other things that you'd like to get into is you uh, you design courses, right? Yeah, yeah, well, um, I'm working on two different uh, courses now. Well, one of them pretty much wrapped up over the summer, and the other one we're getting ready to announce and, um, and uh, open the course. We're going to have some type of an inaugural event um, coming up pretty soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm working on a course right now in... Um, in northern New Jersey, and uh, that'll be a nice addition. Um, Sussex County, no courses in the county, so first course there. Um, and yeah, keep your keep your eyes out for that. Uh, you know, try and have something up on a Brinster Design um, Facebook page uh, pretty soon. I'd say within the next couple of weeks. Uh, all baskets are in the ground. We're doing uh, modular tee pads. Uh, we're pouring big, uh, five foot by uh, six foot. Uh, concrete forms and then we're going to haul them out onto the course and uh, you know put them together out there so first time we're you know I'm seeing that um, procedure kind of used mm -hmm. um, but uh, it beats trying to get a you know a cement truck out there which was not doable in most of the cases and uh, you know but still gets you the the best of the best with concrete tee pads one seam on them um, I just I think that they're superior to everything out there right now with the, with the turf so yeah designing's like big passion of mine I definitely I, I love designing I think I see it well I can be able to use my experience you know over the last 25 plus years of playing and uh, just something that I feel like I see well yeah you know it, it, it makes sense to to me and uh, you know I've got a good knowledge of trees and um, you know so it's uh, it's something that for me it just makes sense yeah well you like you know you know proper shot shapes I think that's a big thing with course design is sometimes it's like a forced odd shot and you you've seen you know hundreds of thousands of shots in your life you know between on either yourself or seeing other people throw so you can kind of you can gauge what people can do Whereas, yeah. like, I feel like with me, like, I'm limited to my knowledge of what a disc will do is, is kind of limited, you know. And But you've seen, you've seen Simons, you've seen all these different people that can do ridiculous things. So you kind of have to design a course according to that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a very visual person. Um, you know, I have my degree in fine arts. So I've always been a very, you know, with focus in sculpture. I've always been a very 3D thinking person. And I think that's... That visualization is also what has helped lead me to success in disc golf, is because I, I can see the gaps and I can I can gauge the distances and I can see the the way that things should fly or the best way to attack a gap. I'll give myself better percentages um, across the board. So you know, 
seeing it in a design way is is great it's and you know do that's you know applying that to my game is has been a big part of my success but yeah it just it really it just makes visual sense to me and i think one area that i can really make an impact on is is at the gold elite level pro level courses where you know in design i think that the main thing that a designer needs to be asked is like what what is achievable what is what is willing you know what is are you willing to ask of somebody to achieve you know is this is this fair is this, is this shot you know can, can i ask a top layer pl player to like achieve this shot or is it is it too much and until you can throw those shots and you can know what's capable and how much control you can over, have over the disc and the types of speeds and stuff like that um, then you've got to walk that line mm -hmm. and if you don't walk that line it's either going to be too hard or it's not going to be fair enough or it's going to be too easy so um, you know being able to throw those shots and execute them for a really long time now I know what's reasonable to ask of somebody yeah. you know and, and I think that that's the big thing with design especially at that level that will give me an advantage you know it's something that even some of the designers that I really, really respect and that I believe are good designers never really got there with their game. So mm -hmm. it's like hard for them to really challenge and have good gold level style courses. Okay, yeah. Now, do you, uh, are you someone that likes to take input from you know, other people? Like if you had somebody that can throw a shot you can't throw or can do things, like I mentioned Simon earlier, he just has an amazing skill set. Like if, you're, if he happens to be in town or you know he's around, is that someone you would ask to come out and check out the course to kind of get an idea of what people think or are you kind of I'm gonna do it I'm you know this is my idea and I'm gonna kind of roll with it well I mean I'd like to have the flexibility where all the decisions go through me a lot of the designs I've had have been collaborations mm -hmm. um, and you know you don't always see things the same way as somebody um, but you know I I still throw pretty far, and you know I've beaten Simon in a distance contest. Well, yeah. So you know, um, yeah. well I'm just saying he uh, just he just <laughs> he, he he just throws freakishly hard, and yeah, you know the he he I, I know when I play golf I look up a lot because I throw a lot of overhands. He's looking that way for a lot of just Scott like backhand shots or forehand shots. That's that was my main reason. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know no, you I just saying, I know you just crushed him. I was saying it's jo jokingly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, um, yeah, playing you know. A lot of practice rounds with Simon and and other guys that absolute crush or monsters is uh, certainly gives you insight and I, I can still see it all even mm -hmm. if I can't throw yeah, the yeah. 800 footers like these guys do um, I still see it I still witness it firsthand all the time so it, it definitely comes into play um, you know certainly it, and that's just it. it's like you you know even if I can't do it I do like I know the game well enough to mm -hmm. know what people are doing out yeah, there well, what are like the you, crazy things so um it's definitely something that i that i would apply yeah well that's design. like you said earlier you like you have to ask yourself is this like a realistic expectation of a top player you know what i mean you, right. know, you know so i'm sure see just seeing them yeah it was enough to kind of know you know you know you don't necessarily see those, those stupid little pa gaps off the sides of the fairway right. sometimes you know right. <laughs> but, but it's you know and you don't think that people are going to do that sometimes but if you if you know enough players that try those types of things and throw creative shots like that you can kind of you know design a course to them in a way too yeah. which is kind of yeah. cool well and you know and at the end of the day the goal is to like uh, i want to be known as like the best designer out there you know mm -hmm. and i 
I think I have the talent to to achieve that. You know, I got to get myself out there. I got to do a lot more marketing and stuff. But you know, the courses that I've been involved in and that I've that I've have my name behind. You know, they're all pretty highly rated. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what are some of those courses? Well, you know, Fox Run was one of the you know first courses where you know I really got to have you know my hands in, and it was it, a big majority of, majority of it was me to start, and then you know, and obviously Jeff Jeff as well, um, but you know he kind of we came up with the flow and everything, and then as it's developed, and we've had a lot of wetlands restrictions and stuff, we've had to make some hard decisions, and Jeff was always the, the guy on the ground, and he made a lot of good choices out there too, you know, we, we definitely had to make some tweaks to accommodate some of the state restrictions and stuff like that. Um, but obviously Fox Run, um, you know, is just a great course, championship level course, mm -hmm. you know, we've had the world championships there, the tour championship, GMC every year on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had, you know, some influences on, you know, Brewster Ridge, um, obviously Warwick, um, you know, Blue Mountain is, it was a great set of courses. We've had national tour events on. Mm -hmm. um, Sugarbush, we had national tour events on. Okay. And unfortunately, it sounds like the peak course is no longer in action, but that was just an absolutely epic, uh, you know, take a lift up to the top of the mountain, play down the mountain course. Uh, just some of the, you know, best holes you'll ever play on a really, really special place. Um, so, you know, I've had my hands in on a lot of designs that have been used at major level events. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we see, you know, as the, you know, to look into the future and what I've seen in the past, you know, with courses for the world championships and even high level events, they really could use an eye. They could use somebody coming out there, you know, saying we need, you know, to make these tweaks or what about doing it this way or this isn't ready or it's not good enough or yeah. it's not hard enough. Um, so as the tour develops, you know, I'm hoping that there's opportunities for that. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I'd really just love to get the opportunity to go out there with a blank canvas on some, you know, continued some more properties, you know, still on dream properties that, uh, to do, you know, my own thing, you know, in my own way, you yeah. know, and I, it's, uh, it's when I've had those opportunities, I think they've all come out good. So, uh, looking forward to more of that in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm look, I'm actually looking forward to, uh, the course you're putting up, up in Sussex. I talked to, to Justin about that. That you're doing that one with Justin. Right? Yeah, yeah, Justin yeah. Choka. So you know, I, I want to. You know, we're we want to make sure we have all our ducks in a row when we're ready to announce. But yeah, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of that having putting a finished course in, not like oh we have the baskets in and we have like oh we don't have tea signs yet and we just have like marked areas for tea boxes. Come on out and play. Right. I like the when you're when you're getting there. It's the first version of a finished product yeah. because you know course isn't is never finished with what it is you know you see as trees fall things get different you know who knows with disc technology some of these shots may become too easy or you can change some of these things you know and uh i really like that i like like going to it and knowing that this is the finished product so especially if you're doing a big like ribbon cutting opening day opening event you know you want that to be the thing so i like i applaud you guys for doing that which is what i think needs to be done on every course personally yeah no it's you know the baskets have been in the ground for two months mm -hmm. um you know and we've been developing the plan and um execution for what the tee pads are going to be but you're, yeah you're right it's going to be like once you step out there it's not gonna be like well this is what we're going to do in the future you know kind of yeah. thing it's going to be like ready to go mm -hmm. and you know high level and they didn't want to cut corners i mean 
you know, we messed around with the idea of doing natural teas for a little bit, and they're like, no, let's just let's do it right. Yeah. And uh, so it's, uh, yeah, hopefully it's going to be something that we're playing on in a couple weeks. Which will be uh, awesome. Potentially. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it out for that, you know. So actually another thing that's happening in a couple weeks, uh, you're getting inducted into New, the New Jersey Disc Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, like, how, how does that feel for you to be like, like, I mean, New Jersey Disc Golf, you've been a part of it for a long, long time, but how is it to like, get that recognition and to get your name on that plaque and, you know, to know that forever, you know, your grandkids one day can go to where that's designed, like, where that's placed and they can see, the, you know, their grandfather there. And hopefully your son, you know, along with that name, you know. Wow, you, you went grandkids, huh? I well, didn't even, I haven't, I don't think I've ever gone there <laughs> mentally before in my life, so, but you did. All right. Uh, well, dude, I'm, I'm thinking of a legacy. You want, yeah. That's what we all kind of want to do. We want to have our legacy. We want it to be, you know, good things spoken about us after we're gone, long gone, you know. So that's, you know, that's kind of that. You know, I know a lot of people like try to do that. And that's what designing courses will be for you. You know, there's people that are pet long past that design courses that people remember. You know, they get their little statue out in the course or whatever. You know, so, but like, how, like, how would that feel? Like, how, like, just to, I mean, like you said, you never really think of it that way, but you know, to know that you're going to be immortalized in the New Jersey Disc Golf Hall of Fame. It, it's yeah, it's a true honor. It's a true mm -hmm. honor, and um, you know, I, actually, last week was inducted to the New York State Hall of Fame oh, as well. Oh, congrats and, on yeah, that! Yeah, so and to have both of them um, in the same year, I mean. Yeah, it's it's very humbling, honestly. Um, I definitely in, in disc golf and in life try to do everything the right way. That's the way I try and run my business. The way I try and run my you know raise my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important to me to you know maybe the most important thing to me is just to you know be a good person, do things the right way. So. You know, if if that's uh, if being inducted into those Hall of Fames is a sign of that, then it's you know I'm very proud of that. Nice, nice. So yeah, I'm just gonna segue that into something else you probably never thought was gonna happen. 2013. You know, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Winthrop University. You became the U.S. champion, man. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. like. I'm sure it's. I mean, you know, obviously it was you know eight years ago, so it sunk in. But how like how long did it take after winning an event like that for it to really like sink in that you're on an elite list? What are like eight or nine different winners of the event? Yeah, like, yeah that's like that's a legit thing. That's very pretty, elite company. And yeah, yeah. No, it, it didn't come easy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, it didn't come easy at all. Um, yeah, you know, I put myself in position there, or been in, you know. I don't even want to say close so many times, but I knew at least, believed at least for a long time that it was possible. Um, so yeah, very, very special f to make that come true because you have to overcome a lot of different things and that's why there's such a short list of people that, you know, that are on that, um, that are ac actually can call themselves U.S. champions. Uh, you know, there's only one winner mm -hmm. and of all the events out there, uh, for, in my opinion, undoubtedly the hardest one to win. Yeah, I think it's um, the hardest, and also I think it's the most prestigious. Like yeah. it being at the same place every year, you know, since what night was it? '99 was the first yep. year. Yeah. And like being in the same place every year, it's almost like a, like I mean, the course itself isn't in Augusta, but I look at it like a mass, like Masters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, I do too. You know, and I've so I've played all the worlds, and I've played every US DGC except for. 2000 and I've played every single USDGC as well and yeah to me it's it's definitely the most prestigious and it's the best 
biggest test of golf and um, the hardest one to win. And you know, that's the only place that I've ever gone to that I get goosebumps when I drive on the property. Okay. And and I and I still do. It's mm -hmm. still I still like get that feeling. And it was it that event alone was you know the first time I felt like a professional. You know, yeah. going out there and and just the amount of assets and things that they have lined up out there and the, the feeling that you get and the professionalism it's like you you, you know I felt like a professional um, so uh, you know that tournament had you come down the stretch those closing holes the history behind it everyone knows what's looming you know that what do you have to do to be a US champ well not only do you have to survive you know four rounds and 16 holes but you got to get the whole 17 yeah and you got to finish it and not yeah not you know? just blow up on it and we've seen that eliminate a lot of people over the mm -hmm. years you know and that's a huge huge test of nerves and mostly nerves yeah. you know to handle that situation think about it for you know which is commonly referred to as like the quarter mile like walk yeah. you know where you you know what's right around the corner and to overcome that, you know, is to me is one of the you know the biggest tests that you can have in becoming a major championship in disc golf. Mm -hmm. You know, that's and then it's not over then. You know, because yeah. 18 is a beast too. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, so you still have to have you know your presence of mind to to not only accomplish what you need to on 17, but then finish it out. So to me, you know, that is the biggest test in disc golf that we that we have. It's the hardest one to win. So for, to come out of that, you know, a winner, you know, is really a like crowning achievement, you know, and it not, you know, from just like a disc golf physical, but just a mental, you know, after all those years, kind of monkey on the back to mm -hmm. come out on top of that and, and, and win that situation um, mentally, you know, is definitely something that will stick with me forever. Nice. How, uh, how'd you do on hole 17 in that event? So Will and I were tied going into it, and he missed the green twice. And the way that they do it is you, you know, you keep throwing yeah. until until you're on. And uh, you know, so easy enough for you know he misses. I, I know what I have to do. Threw a great shot. Um, this is in the very very early stages of live scoring. Uh, but my caddy, the now CEO of DGPT, was Jeff Spring at the time. And he looked and we, you know, it's like, do we need it? And I was 35, 40 feet away or so, you know, basket right up against some OB. You know, who knows exactly what could happen. Yeah, Roll away into the water. I mean, that I mean we saw this past it, year. Yeah, yeah. With, with Heinberg this past year. And, uh, you know, I was like, do I need it? And I think I actually asked that before the tee shot. I was like, mm -hmm. do I need it? Because I, you know, could potentially have laid up. Yeah, because sure. you, you have a little bit of room in, right yeah. in front of the tee box. You could do and that. And that's no picnic from there to yeah. try and <laughs> yeah. get it onto the green in, in a narrow spot anyway. And, I, you know, I felt pretty comfortable with it. But, you know, nerves are, in those situations, there's not much room for error. And nerves, you know, are, are obviously present. But, uh, you know, he said, yeah, you, you do. You know, Barry's in the clubhouse at, I think, 30 under. Mm -hmm. So I was able to throw a good quality shot on the green, hit another putt, and that and that's just what I was, you know, I did that week, and I was I was putting. Yeah. And you know, throughout my career, if I could 
could have putted like that, I would have won a lot of majors. Yeah. You know, it's like um, I was always a good thrower, and you know, I think there's definitely stretches throughout my career where I was driving as good as anybody in the world, and maybe considered the best driver in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always putting was always the thing that I just you know, if I was making pots, I was I, I was going to win. Yeah. Um, so I putted that week, and uh, yeah, hit a hit a clutch putt there on 17 to get the two. So it gave me two strokes, so I was able to kind of chip my way up the fairway a little bit more, certainly more than I normally would, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with a, a couple strokes in my back pocket. Um, and so, yeah, I've made some, you know, what I thought was really solid play at the time where I, you know, I kept it in the middle and then I threw a really short shot, like 130 feet on the next line. Because mm -hmm. I thought, I just didn't feel like that was I felt like that was the most dangerous shot that I was gonna have left I get to there then I could just pitch a hyzer yeah so I did that and I executed it and um, you know I still think it was the right play at you know to today and then it, you know I was able to just kind of kick it all the way in nice you know to win a, win a title and share that moment with Leslie and the kids I mean the kids were like you know a year old at that point yeah, yeah. Uh, so pretty oh, cool. pretty special moment Dude, awesome man yeah that's uh, that was I just met you right before that, I think. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool to see that. And then occasionally, when I walk, when you walk past your house, you would have the trophy down there in the basement. I saw it a couple of times. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Look, it's right. Like, that's pretty cool. You know, that's that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I don't know where else to go with this, man. I mean, you have that coming up, though, right? You have the USDGC in two weeks. USDGC two weeks. So yeah, really, really looking forward to. It. Like I said, that's that's obviously it was special before. I had mm -hmm. one, but now, you know, being a past champion, well, that's the way they, that they that's how you. they announce you on hole one now, you know, yeah. to 2013 USDGC champion. Yeah. That's, that's probably pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty nice, uh, pretty nice title to have next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. US champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any, I don't have any championship titles next to my name. So <laughs> I'm going to have to work be like on French Creek doubles champion. No, or? no, I never won doubles. Thing, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking about next year doing uh, the mullet championships, uh, oh, the US yeah. championships. So. I'd say you've you've got a good chance. Yeah, well, I, mean, I I know the guy that won Clint Duncan. He's uh, he's got a pretty bitchin' mullet, so yeah. I got to step up my game a little bit. But I think I'm not too far off. You no, know? I have to work up my my following and everything like that. Right, I hope that right. all the all the pumpers you know decide to uh, to vote for me, you know, and everything like that. Yeah, you so, got to test out some new shampoos. You know, yeah, get it, like, oh, definitely. Well, like, and make a point of letting people know what I'm using. So I get some sponsorships right, and stuff like right. that. You know, I'd like a Pantene Pro V sponsorship would be pretty totally. cool. Totally. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one question that everybody always asks me, and I always forget to ask it in every single one of the podcasts: Do you, do you pump? Of course, man. Of you course, do? yeah. You know, I mean, not regularly, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, have you ever owned? Have you ever owned Reebok pumps oh, yeah. when, when you were younger oh, yeah, and everything course, like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, it's. I think they're awesome shoes, so it's it's cool. But I I, I have to ask that just because everybody immediately asks that. So. <laughs> um, I guess we're, we're going to get close to wrapping it up. We're at, uh, you know, about 50 minutes to almost an hour. Uh, is there anything you're, uh, you want to promote right now or, any, you know, anybody you need to thank or sponsors? Sure. I mean, you know, obviously always got to thank any of a champion. I mean, long supporters of me and, uh, you know, just making the best discs out there in the market, um, mm -hmm. you know. And not saying that just because they pay me to say that, but no, I'm they, most, most uh, of my bag is in other, you know, uh, other just, plastics. They 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 make great discs, and uh, without them, it's it would be uh, it'd be hard to hard to do what I do. So mm -hmm. huge thanks to them. Obviously, Grip Bags and Birdie Fuel Coffee uh, support me year in year out. Help me uh, be able to do what I love, and that's you know play disc golf, go out there, and you know 
my friends and family are all disc golfers, so they help me do what I do and, uh, you know, play a sport I love. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'll, I'll include all those links down below, your birdie fuel thing. Is there any sort of promo code, you know, uh, you know, SP disc promo code or whatever, I don't know, you know, to get a... Uh, any, any type of discounts or anything like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. You don't know? Okay. Yeah, I'll, no. I'll sometimes, sometimes they put stuff out there, but I'm not sure what's running right now. Okay. Uh, but I'll definitely, I'll fill you in if I, oh, nice, if I got something nice. for yeah, you. I'll, I'll include all that. We'll get you, you a go couple bags. What's, what's up? We'll get you a couple bags. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I got to try some of the, the Eric uh, Eric McCabe dark roast today. That was really good. So, yeah. so you know, that'd be nice. Um, awesome. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, the, we're the Weekly Pump. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, I'll, I'll see you guys next week.